Oh, Father, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you that you bring us together. Thank you that it's your word that we come to. As, uh, as Lynette's sharing a very scripture that that I want to talk on, um, and I go, it's like we have the same teacher, the same spirit in us, guiding us, and, and your word uh, brings us to truth. And I thank you so much that we're not left and, and lost alone, but um, your spirit is a counselor and, and our teacher and continues to to bring to life what we can read in, in the Bible. And, um, uh, and Father, I just thank you so much, uh, too, for, the, for Rebecca's testimony. And when we see these things lived out in a life and the change made, um, it uh, just encourages us, it, it, it proves you, it glorifies you, Father. I thank you that you are being glorified in her life. Father, as I talk this morning, I pray that uh, you would be completely guiding it, that your spirit would be working through me and speaking, that your spirit would be working in, in each person here. And um, Father, ultimately, as, um, as some people might disagree or some people might just uh, not be, um, have looked at this, Father, they're drawn to your word, that uh, that's where they go to, 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 to base agreement or disagreement. And, um, and so I just pray that you be stirring in hearts, Lord, and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So I am not talking on a nice, easy, uh, simple subject today, which would have been, uh, I'm going to say more fun, but that's not true. Um, so let me jump in here. A couple years ago, I was reading this book, and I, I had a, a little argument. Uh, it was an argument with Tad, and not him personally. I'd met him once. To me, he was this guy that married Nikki and Richard. Uh, but I'm reading his book, and so I'm arguing with him in his book. And he talks about surrender, and, and what does that look like? And he says that he's talking about salvation, actually. And he comes to and says that our surrender to God is a key piece of salvation. And I said, no, 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 no. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I, I think surrender is important, but to, to put it salvational, we need to keep things in the right perspective, the right, um, you know, um, is baptism important? Yes. Is it salvational? No. Okay. So that's, that's what I was arguing with here. And what came to my mind right away was um, a verse in Romans. I probably wasn't quoting it really well, but it says, um, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. So see right there, it says nothing about surrender. I repeated that to myself several times before I heard myself say, Lord. I'd said that over and over but here's an interesting thing we do in church is we get used to words and we apply a church meaning to them. And so to me, Lord meant Jesus or God, right? In the Old Testament, we do Lord in the uppercase, and that was the Jews' way of protecting the name Yahweh, what God asked us to call him, but they were being really careful not to use his name in vain. And so instead of writing Yahweh and accidentally using it poorly, they wrote Lord that way. Um I'm sorry, that probably wasn't the Jews. They they left out vowels, the uh it was translators later, but um so Lord means God to me. It means Jesus. In the New Testament, uh Jesus is often referred to that way. And and that's that's what it means, take out any other meaning. And as a matter of fact, when you would apply the word Lord to a person, I thought that was sacrilegious. 
this is messed up. I can't be a part of that. You're, you're calling that person God. Well, see, the thing is, that's, that's not the case. Um, Lord had meaning before God called himself that. He used a word that people were used to. Because if you haven't been in church, you may have a different take. You didn't see that as meaning God. You didn't see that as meaning Jesus. Uh, by the way, they are together. I was just saying in the Old Testament was God altogether. New Testament's more often Jesus alone. Um, so if you're not in church, it just may just be an unfamiliar word. Where do we use that in our our society? Landlord is my only example, right? And and that's not a very good example, right? We, um, what's our allegiance level and and following our landlord? Just so much as keeps us from having to pay the the security deposit, right? That's it. Um, as long as we can cover up the fact that we had um, too many people, or we had, uh, you know, there's this old joke of changing the oil of a Harley in the living room. Um, so what did Lord mean to those? Very little, right? Uh, some guy who owned a house or something. Um, but that wasn't the word that was being used, that was translated to, because uh, I am not a Greek scholar. Um, I think I know pi because it's in math. And um, I don't think it's said the same way, right? So um, what I do have is... Uh, Billy, look things up. Blue Letter Bible, if anybody doesn't know, is a great way if you want to figure out what word was being used there. Now, uh, something I've had to learn over the last couple of years is be careful because we use one word in different contexts. So you need you can get the scope of what a word can mean and then use a context to really narrow down what it means in this case. But um, Lord is pretty concise. There's not much room to, to play with it. So Blue Letter Bible helps me out here. And sorry, I should have done this more where I could just put it up on the screen, but I didn't. It says, he to whom a person or thing belongs. So, the, so someone who has a Lord belongs to the Lord is one translation. Let's see what others are. About which he has power of deciding. It's pretty much the same thing. And it gets used as master or lord. Now, master, that has a little more kick to it, doesn't it? Um, but the same same word gets translated to either one of these. And when you see that description, you see where master is a perfectly good uh, word to use in there. It goes on, the, the possessor and disposer of a thing, kind of the same, the owner, one who has control of the person, the master, uh, in state, it's the sovereign, the prince, the chief, the Roman emperor. It can be used as a title of honor. Okay, now maybe we're we're getting a little bit more comfortable. We we can just honor God, not call him master. But that that risk that goes on. It's a title of honor, expressive of respect and reverence with which servants greet their masters. Oh shoot, we're back to a little more uh, weighty word now. Also, title given to God the Messiah. So that was a heavy thing. Okay, so this verse in, in Revelations, let me just go ahead and bring that up. Uh, I'm sorry, in, in uh, Romans. Um, 9 and 10 particularly, that you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So as I, I thought about what is Lord and Master, if I if I confess him as master, I'm just gonna I'm gonna switch to that a little bit because that has a little more impact on me. And we, we I think we just looked and say that's the same meaning. If I look at him as my master, that's a whole different ball game than just believing that he exists, believing he wants to take my sin away. So where does that fit though with everything else? Because don't we all know John 3.16? Can't I just believe? Um, you know, I didn't actually write that one down, but I think we, we all got that right. Um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. You'll hear there that, uh, I also went to a and so I've got a little bit of King James, a little new King James, little, <laughs> uh, new living translations what I'm looking at today, but it said, believe it didn't say, so whoever believes, and submits to me as Lord. So which one is it? Furthermore, we can jump over to James. You might be thinking, I didn't think James talked about the gospel exactly, did it? Many of us have uh, memorized James or are working on it here. Um, you know, I think I'm not going to read through all of this. Let's skip down to... So he's talking about works because all of these passages we can agree we're not saved by works we're saved by grace alone and grace is a free gift how can we have a free gift and then talk about works so where does this all fit together but someone will say um may well say you have faith and i have works show me your faith without your works and i will show you my faith by my works what he's saying here is some belief demands action. Some belief is only defined by action. And I'll come back to that a little bit. And um, Continuing on, you believe that God is one, you do well. Okay, so when he said that you believe God is one, he's referencing back to the Shema. Um, this was one of the, uh, the Jewish sayings, uh, Deuteronomy 5, 6, I believe. 6 what? 6, 4, thank you. Um and this would have been a great thing for me to have written down reference to, and I didn't. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go there, because the, the point is, you believe in God. That that was the, what the, the Jews went to to reference. God is one. He is over all of Israel. So, you believe in God is what we're getting to. You believe in the God of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. That That's what he's referencing. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. So, what we should be noticing is the demons don't get saved. So their belief doesn't save them. But no, wait a minute. Are we having a little spat here between James and John? So when the Bible contradicts itself in your head, your head's the problem. So let's let's figure out why, why these are together. Um, so James here is pointing out that belief alone isn't it. Now, what's he talking about? He just talked about works. So... Uh, that also sounds like we're, we're arguing, you know, Paul talks a lot about how um, it, it's, it's faith alone. Um, well, he goes on to explain a little bit. What are you willing to recognize, oh, you foolish fellow? That was really nice there, James. That your faith without works is useless. Sometimes I'm like scared to quote that to people without having the Bible right in front of you because it's like, 
Sounds like I'm just being a jerk. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. So the trouble is, we're simple beings as much as we like to think about our, our greatness and our intelligence. And um, we, we lack steadfastness. We lack resoluteness. Um, when we decide to do something, is it done? Is it going to happen? It, it's been spoken into existence? No. At least not me. I mean, maybe some of the rest of you are this amazing. Um, when we decide to do something, it's not really decided until it's done, is it? Now, we do decide, and then we're going to move towards that, and that is part of the process. So that initial decision to do something is a part of it, but until we do it, the act of doing is the finality of the decision. Okay? Um. I used an example. I was talking to a friend recently here. Um, let's say we're going to go cliff jumping, jump into a, a lake from a high cliff or something like that, you know, and um, maybe that's not a normal to us. And so this is a little bit, a little bit scary, but we can do it. We're going to decide. We start running. When we have to run, we've actually put action to it. So we have decided, right? But we stop. So we didn't really decide. Or did we, right? We did. We made a decision, and the next step was another decision, and the next step was another decision. And when that final last foot leaves a cliff, now we've committed to this decision. But what if we want to jump again? We get back up on the cliff and want to jump again. We have to decide again. And so that is where I think James is coming from here. It's one thing to say, I believe. I trust God. Um, then when it comes time to actually follow, like, God, I, I believe you and I trust you and you are Lord. Okay. I want you to quit your job. Um, I meant everything except that because you wouldn't ask that, I thought. We, we may even have an intention to do that when we said it, because it was like those steps running up to the cliff. We really intended to. We thought we did. But there's, there's that, again, that belief is tried when, when we have to actually act on it. And that's why here he, he's not actually saying that you can do something to earn salvation. He's saying you can do something to solidify your belief. And if you say you believe and then won't when the time comes, well, then it was a weak belief that wasn't full. Now, here's a problem. Belief is not such a simple cut and dry thing. I told you at the beginning this, my name, right? Many of you think you already know my name. You think it's Tim. You believe that, right? I hope you believe me. What if I pulled out my driver's license right here and held it up and you can see that it says, Bob Robertson. Tim's nowhere on there. Now what do you believe? You probably believe that's Bob Robertson now, right? So your belief was so easily changed that a little piece of plastic changed your belief? I thought you believed. Believed. And then you notice on there that the seal isn't quite right. And that kind of looks more like paper. 
taped to a piece of plastic. Wait a minute. Now, I don't have no belief. What, what should I think? What if, what if some of you grew up, I grew up knowing that I was born of both of my parents. What if I got to a teenager and found out I was adopted? What would that do to my belief? So I don't want you all to go home thinking, oh no, am I adopted? Because if you are, it's a good thing. It means your parents chose to love you instead of just got stuck with you. So don't worry. But isn't that, that's something that we can call a, such a deep and, and heavy belief. I mean, I believe, I know. And yet, couldn't something convince you? And so when we say, yes, I believe in God, what did Jane, What did John mean uh, when, when he was talking about that those who believe will be saved? Hmm. He probably didn't mean that. I think Tim's name is Tim. I have no proof. I just figured he probably wouldn't lie to me. By the way, it is. Timothy, if you want to be real. Um, so, where was I at? Back to myself. Um, what was John saying, right? So what level of belief does it take for salvation? Does it believe, does it, does it take, um, I don't know, someone said something about Jesus, so, you know, my, my parents said they believe, so I guess Jesus is real. I'm saved. And that's the whole thing is, is I, I think James came back and said, whoa, guys, guys, just saying maybe Jesus, that's not belief. I'm talking about a belief that will lead you to action. I'm talking about taking actions that will grow your belief, right? Because you run up and jump off that cliff. When it comes time to do it again, you're ready to run. Even during your steps, this is a stronger belief than the first time you were running up, right? Because you've done it. And now you know. The other fun thing about this idea of, uh, of running up to this cliff, um, by the way, don't take analogies too far. Don't try to say following God is jumping off a cliff. Um, and, you know, so it's only about a decision. So the, the, the thing is, I've actually prayed this prayer. Lord, help me to be able, to, I, I want to make a decision right now. Right now, I want to follow you from now forevermore. Never choose to not follow you. Take away my will. He said, no. Um, he said, it's a decision daily. Um, well, he said that in the Bible. For me, I think it's a decision minutely because uh, I'm not so consistent as a full day. Um, so where does he say that? Um, he says that in Matthew 16, Luke 9, Mark 8, 34 through 38. I'm jumping there. I think I used this one just because it was the last one that I looked at. That That's my level of uh, which, which passage. Um, interesting thing is, this is right after he was asking his disciples, who do people say I am, right? So we're actually starting to talk about who do we believe Jesus is. And they said, well, some think you're a prophet. Some think you're a good teacher. Some think you're Elijah, come back from the dead. And, and Jesus says, who do you think I am? And Peter says, you are the son of God, the Christ, the Messiah. 
So right after his, his big moment, and, and Jesus praises him for this level, he said, this came from God, not from your own understanding. And then Jesus says, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. But that didn't fit with uh, Peter's belief on how things should work. So he takes Jesus aside and says, no, no, not you, never. May it never be. And Jesus then corrects him and, and says, your mind is not on the things of God, but on things of the world. So his belief had shifted back. His, his focus, his level of surrender came back to what he could control. He wants to control the situation now. That's not even the real point. That's why I just reviewed it and didn't come there. He turns around. This isn't like a day later. He turns around. Um, actually, if I understand it right, he's talk, Peter says this to him, and he doesn't even answer directly to Peter. He answer, turns back to the crowd and answers Peter towards the crowd, teaching them in this moment, and goes on to say, um, well, the wording's a hair different here than it was in, in Luke, I think. So says, here he says he's summoned the crowd. So he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Um, shoot, my point was I'm on daily thing, but we'll we'll skip that rather than me jump around to the other passages and see which one says daily. Um, so take up his cross and and follow me. What what does this follow? Is that is that the the question of salvation? Is that what this is about? Um, I think it is. He goes on, for whoever wishes to save his life, is not what we think about with salvation. We want to be saved from our sins. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his own soul? We follow our own plans. What level of, of perfect gathering our own plans will we then be able to pay out by our soul? God's standard is perfection. We we can't we can't have sin and then do enough good to reach perfection, but we've already fallen short of it. Um, last one's great, but we'll leave that alone for now. Okay, so I'll come back to the the original thing was, was me arguing with uh, with this book. And you know, with my my best arguments, didn't change the words on the page at all. Didn't even change the spelling, which I thought was reasonable. It should have. I changed spelling all the time. Um, by the way, I'm a terrible speller for those of you who don't know, and I'm not even consistent about my bad spelling. So it, it still says this, and the funny thing, he goes on to actually use uh, this very same verse in Romans and talks through the whole thing quite uh, significantly. So if anyone's struggling with this, go to the word first. But um, uh, if you want further commentary, uh, Tad's book, I forget the new title. The old one was Discipleship Basics. I think it is called The Lost Keys of the Christian Life. There must be something more, I think, is a tag. Um, and come to seminar. Okay. So this argument, okay, surrender is good, but is it salvational? Think further and go, what, what are we doing when we believe? When we want to accept his salvation, what is that? It's entrance into his kingdom, right? So, okay, if we're going from 
kingdom of ourself, which is influenced from the devil. He, he's really the one ruling here. Um, even when we tell ourselves it's ourself, we want to come into the kingdom of God. So we're going to pray a prayer. Uh, pray a prayer. Forgive me. I trust you. I've sinned. I screwed up. Um, I want your forgiveness. I believe in you, but I'm not going to follow you. <laughs> exactly, Alex. That's what God did too. Like, you what? You want in my king? Did you hear that part? Kingdom, but they're not following me. Well, that king, you can't you follow the king. If, if you didn't want to follow, then you're already in the place. You're already in the place where you don't have to follow me. Um, so isn't it funny the 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 jumps we we take? We try to take little bits and, and fit our own understanding. So if we're asking him, we're asking, we're, we're offering surrender. Okay, but wait a minute. Are we? Did I just say that we're trying to buy salvation? No, no, no. Because see, people of two countries, um, Michaela is right now helping a friend who's in one country try to come here. I remember when Nikki went from U.S. to New Zealand, she had to prove that she had a certain amount in her bank account because they wanted to be able to kick her out and her be able to buy her own plane ticket, right? You don't just go from one kingdom for another free. Next, when you are a traitor to this kingdom, you have fallen short of the requirement of the king. You are just plain not allowed in. Now, if you want in the kingdom and you want to be a follower of the king, well, you still can't because there's a price to pay. That is where the free gift comes in. He paid the price to come and be his servant, his slave. Now, that's some heavy talk, and um, if anybody's struggling with the thought of, well, I kind of wanted the, the, the goodies, and I heard this free thing, but what's the slave talk? <laughs> this is where just listening to both the ladies this morning, like, oh, yes, thank you for setting me up. Um, uh, so when we hear slave, you know, that that sounds heavy. I'm, I'm free right now. Well, no. There, there's no such thing as being your own master and, and free in every way. Our, our American culture, as wonderful as some aspects are, it, it gives us this deluded idea that we're free. We talk about freedoms that we have, and we do. We have a freedom of religion. Look at this. We're here when others uh, would like to not, that to not be the case. Yes, we have freedoms. Okay, how about all the freedoms? Pull a gun right now and point it at me and see if you're not arrested in about 10 seconds, even though the officer's off duty. What happened to free? I thought I could pull a gun on Tim whenever I wanted to. Okay, so wait a minute. Free isn't all that we thought it was, right? There, there are freedoms. And imagine if those things weren't the case. That's when you get drug lords and other kinds of gang things and come on. There is no such thing as you can always do whatever you want, anytime you want. There are um, principalities. There's always a ruler, okay? So if you want out from this ruler, go to this ruler. That's what we're talking about. Um, okay, so do I want to? What's I didn't know about all these rules, and um, we're gonna come back to that belief thing. The first thing we come to when we think about rules, we think about restriction, we think about burdens, and I, I love Lynette talking about feeling that burden, like I have to do better. It's this burden, and remembering that Jesus said. Um, 
my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if I can find my notes fast enough, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. And she, like, I was going to make a point of this and she hit it for me. Um, so it's still a yoke, right? We, we still have a master. Learn from me, for I am gentle. I'm choked up because over the last two years, I've been just learning more. I, I, was, I was never one to like think God's bad. But over the last two years, I've just been finding out how good he is and learning what compassion really means and that that is his heart. So I'm having a hard time reading this. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. From my, I am gentle and humble in heart. Is that what we hear from a master? Is that what we've heard from our other master that's been, whether it's us or the devil, other people that we've tried to serve? Humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said that again about the yoke. It was a reminder that he, he has instructions. So one of our things we hate is restrictions, right? And, and God has all these rules. Well, let me tell you about rules when i got my driver's permit i was in colorado so that's 15 i hear you guys in kansas get it at like 12 or something ridiculous so that was what i always thought um my dad told me that when you're driving stay on the right lane he said if you drive on the left there's gonna be bad things and you're probably gonna die Oh, ridiculous. Why is he imposing these rules on me? And so I drove in the left lane and man, it was stressful. Like I'm like dodging and people are coming at me and, and people are being angry. Why are they angry? Just because I took the left lane. I have some freedom here. Okay. Why did my dad do this to me? And then I hit a car head on and 10 people died. Okay. This is all. Did my dad impose these things? No. He said, yeah, he, he said that the right lane is what will keep you in safety. Except in Colorado, it's pretty crazy. The right lane's not safe. The left lane, you're going to be opposing everybody. And somehow, though, when we put this in an aspect of, of the regular world, we think, um, well, why didn't God just make that work? Why didn't he take all the traffic out of the left lane for me? I don't know if if he can change all the rules. Maybe he can. But the the only thing that really matters is he set things up in a certain way. Ted talks about this all the time. He set things up and he guides us in the right path, right? Okay, he's been preaching rightness and justification so much. I, it was like, like lines on the road made that so easy, right? Um, he guides us in this path where things are going to be flowing. He keeps us out of the path where there's head-on traffic. It, it wasn't a punishment for going over there. It was a warning. And and Becca so talked about this, and it was awesome. That, that just such a, a poignant example. Let me pause for just a second. It is really hard to come up here and talk about our own faults and, and our own brokenness and our needs. And, and let me reassure you that everyone in this room cares about you more now, loves you more now, than they did 30 minutes ago. Well, I've been talking for a while, so an hour ago. <laughs> um, so don't let the devil come and tell you that like, oh, now they're going to look down on me. No, no, not true. Um, 
So, but she, okay, I'm going to again. Um, let's see here. Right lane. She talked about how she found that not following these rules, these oppressive rules, just dumped her into difficulty and, and strain. It didn't bring joy. It didn't bring freedom. And being in the lane that God directed to brought peace and joy. Um, I'm terrible at timing. And so I had this whole list of verses from the Old Testament that uh, God talks about um, some are like chiding, like, why won't you follow my commandments? Others are, if you follow my commandments, it will be this blessing. Um, uh, peace to thousand generations to those who fear me and keep my commandments. Uh, and then we go, okay, is this an Old Testament thing? You know, I'm, I'm under the blood of Jesus. So God has changed his ways. Well, John, this, by the way, is the same John, just a mere 11 chapters later than, um, than the John who says, if you believe me, or if you believe, okay, quoting from God, if you believe me, salvation, right? And again, this is, uh, I said John, it's, it's John recording Jesus' words in both cases. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In just a couple verses later, or in the scrolling, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. Wait a minute, there are conditions? Uh, no, there's not conditions. This is one of those, again, something that I've been having to learn over the last two years. It has been really helpful on. There is some language of, of how we receive. Um, because God, God loves the most broken sinner who has not turned to him. They may be an enemy of his, but the Bible says that God proves his love in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He said he proves his love while we were yet sinners. So what's this? If, if I keep his commandments, then he loves me. This is a experiential difference. He loves either way. Break every commandment. Turn your back on him and spit in his face, and he will love you. He's brokenhearted for you. But the son who doesn't love his father and is fighting against his father doesn't get the fun, cool, let's hang out and do some stuff, right? He hears the voice of correction. Don't do that, son. Son, driving that left lane is going to hurt you. Does that sound like love? No, the front, the son's hearing correction. Oh, you're correcting me. Still the voice of love. But the son that hears, whoa, nice job staying in the right lane. Because you really needed to hear that, right? Okay, so maybe it was a little bit more, um, a little more down to the detail. I called you into spending time with me, and you are. Good job. I called you to give up something of yourself, and you are. And now you've got this blessing. I called you to... Um, so many things. When we, when we act on on surrender, on following his will instead of ours, we feel the blessing. It's not because his heart changed, but the one who's against him needs correction because that is the loving thing. Okay. I go, all right, Dad, I'm could you hand me a keys? I'm gonna go drive in the left lane again. What does a loving father do? Yes, son, since it's what you want most, here are the keys. No, 
okay, he's not giving me the keys and um, some kind of correction might be good for me. So I don't go kill myself, right? Loving father doesn't help bad behavior. There's a time where he allows it because sometimes the natural consequences can be a good teacher. Natural consequences of driving the left lane is a one-time lesson that is only understood after there's not a chance to fix it. Um, okay, so we're in our verse that says, he who loves me, um, keeps my commandments, will be loved by my father. So we just said he's going to love you no matter what. So let's forget this commandments thing. It's silliness. No. He who loves me will experience the love of my father. He who doesn't is going to be loved, but he's going to experience correction so that he can be on the right path. He's going to bless his life. Um, so he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is the one that loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Another version says, manifest myself to him. We, we can't experience Jesus. We can't experience that closeness. We can't, the, the, the spirit's working. So I, I had this thought, uh, well, no, let me change that. I've had this belief, uh, maybe up until just a few years ago, maybe as little as a year. If the spirit was with someone and talking to them in any way, they must be saved. Because the Bible says that as Christians, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, non-Christians must have nothing. And that's just not true. Because the Spirit's been working on us from is it the day we were born or is it maybe before? Uh, that's beyond me. Um, but he's been working on us. And, and people have this high experience like, oh, I just felt the closeness of God and he spoke to me. I'm saved. I know I am. Not necessarily. But, but when we are surrendered to him and we keep his commandments and he discloses himself to us, that's when we really have this closer communion. That's when he breaks our heart for what breaks his. And that sounds awful and it's not. It's this amazing closeness. Um, and uh, that, yeah, uh, that, that's something I can't even explain. So ask somebody else, but it's awesome. And, and, <laughs> discovering and growing up. Um, okay, further, um, I wanted to touch on, man, too much to share, too little time. I'll wrap this up. Um, I, I, I did want to, I, I was going to make more of a point here. Why, why do we obey? There's an aspect that he is Lord of all, even Satan, even um, all created things. And, and Satan in the demonic realm is all part of that. He's the Lord of all, even when we don't acknowledge that. We may not make him our Lord, but he is, and therefore he's worthy. Um, he's a creator of all things. Um, so by the way, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Second, uh, 1 Timothy 6.15. I'm just going to bounce on. Creator of all things, let's reference uh, Genesis 1 and John 1, 1 through 3, several of us memorized for class, uh, that, that Jesus, nothing was created apart from Jesus. Um, he is holy. That is the reason why he should be reverenced as our Lord. Uh, written, you shall be holy for I am holy. That's speaking from God. This is actually quote from the Old Testament. It actually goes on. It's other good stuff on there, but we're going to jump on. 
Uh, this is where it came in the Old Testament on Isaiah 6 3. Um, so I actually was going to go on to then to obey is, is where the blessings come from, but we already touched on that. So, uh, one thing I want to make sure I really come back to, though, is I, I've been what really brought this up in my heart was this, this struggle of, of disagreeing about whether it's a salvational fact. Um, but I've continued to grow, I've continued to. Um, wrestle with this and just like i talked about there's different levels as we're running up to this cliff there's there's the decision as we're running there's the decision as we jump off there's the decision as we maybe we do that again daily right um there is there's levels of surrender so one level is um you know god i've got this extra burger that I can't even eat. It's going to go bad if I try to do anything with it. If you really want it, I'll give it to that homeless man. That's a huge level. I mean, you offered your burger that's going to go bad. That's amazing. So let, let's call that on the very far side of the slightest tidbit of surrender, right? You could have gone less surrendered by just saying, forget you and throw it away, right? To the other end of perfect surrender, perfect hearing God, perfect following him, um, your only response is yes, Lord, how high? Um, and, and if anybody tells you that they're there, they're probably deceived or Jesus. So somewhere in between is a point where we're really willing to submit and follow him as Lord. And I think somewhere beyond there, we're saved, but we're still kind of struggling and, and working out. We're trying to surrender. We're trying to. Um, but we're not real practiced in it. And, and we have to kind of, we, we, we start taking things back and, oh yeah, oh yeah, I was going to trust you. I forgot. Um, furthermore, we have, we've, we've done the steps toward the cliff, but until you get there and jump off, um, that, 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 that act builds that commitment. So when God told me to give up a good job where I was being promised like the perfect job, the, like the job that I dreamed about and designed in my head that has all these different aspects. I was offered that when God started telling me to move out here. And I, I, would, I would not bring this up because I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but, but personal examples help us. And so that, that's my only reason. Um, and it was tempting. He promised more money. He didn't give me a dollar amount, but he referenced a guy that makes way more money. Um, and... You're kind of like, you know, you're going to kind of move in that direction. He's retiring. Um, and, and yet by then, I, I guess that maybe I'd gotten close enough. I practiced enough time. I was like, man, that is tempting. I'll pray and make sure God's will hasn't changed. God, you still want me to go? Yes. Okay. See ya. Um, and, and it's been a huge blessing. I have not made as much money. As a matter of fact, I've made, much, I've made less than I used to make in the pre-job before the promised job. But the blessings in my growth in, in my life, the, um, the life with you guys here, and, and uh, Tad told me there's one thing that he's jealous of me of. My kids growing up around all of you. And I completely agree with him. And we had an awesome kids program where I came from. I mean, blown away. Other people come to the, the um, uh, what's the summer camp thing for kids? Um, CBS, yeah. They call it something different, but you would not recognize that. 
I five is what they called it. You're right, buddy. But nobody would know what that means. Um, it was awesome. But my kids are more blessed being amongst you older than them and, and seeing the example of you just pouring your lives out for God. Um, so that's just an example of, of that. Now, I might be using terms. I'm, I'm convinced these are the right terms, but I think there's this level that's surrender, but surrender, right? We have two armies fighting. One's kind of winning and one goes, I'll stop fighting you. We call that surrender. Do they say, by the way, we think you're the best. Now we're going we're gonna to join your side and fight. No, no, that's not surrender. When we surrender to God, we say, okay, I'll stop fighting you. What you say, if you really demand it, I'll do it. And that, that's a level, and, and um, that, that's a huge step, a huge step. Um, I don't want to try to say what level is, is salvation, what's not. I do think that level is inside salvation. But that's still a difficult life. That's slug it out. That's, uh, I'm trying to do good. I'm, uh, I forgot to do my time in the Word again today. And then there's submission. Now, why I really being careful of these words is because Tad talked last week about submission being, okay, God, whatever you say, I'm not going to pray um, besides. Different use of the word, okay? I absolutely completely agree. That was an awesome sermon, uh, and I'm trying to grow in that more. Absolutely, he wants us to call out to him and ask for his, his work and things. Um, and that's where I really will wrap up. Um, but... Um, but, but this is not only will I stop fighting you, I'm going to be on your team. When you say to do something, I go, that doesn't make sense, but I, but clearly you're telling me. So I am going to align myself to make that work. That's easier to see with a person. If you're submitting to another person, you go, that is the dumbest idea. Um, but okay. I'm called to submit in this situation. And so I am going to work towards that solution working. And that's the submission to God that we need to have. Okay, that wasn't my way. Not only am I saying, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this thing, um, but I'm going to put my heart into it. And that is the level of freedom. That is what Lynette was talking about when she talks about it not being this, I'm trying to do it harder. It's, I am trying to do it your way. Um, and we heard that in, in Becca's talk as well of, of submitting to God and working with him instead of just stop fighting. Um, and so it'd be easier if we said, okay, we have this measurement scale here. You're here. Uh, I have no idea. Okay. And I do know um, when you get to a point which you're super surrendered, you need to surrender some more. So, don't worry too much where the scale is. Where you are exactly is need some more. Um, that's where Tad is. Need some more. Okay, that's where I am. Need some more. Um, so I'll, I'll wrap up with that. Otherwise, we might miss lunch. Um, and just say, say this. Disagree with me. That's fine. But go to the word. Okay? Because I disagreed with Tad. And I went to the word and went, uh, um, I think it's saying what you're saying. <laughs> Uh, and this was ever before I have a chance to even talk it through with him. So go to the Word, uh, research it there. Um, if you want a little more help, like I said, Tad's book, it's the chapter on salvation. Uh, if you have the old book, this mysterious character named 
something is actually our very own new pastor, Jason. Uh, he's in code in the old book. I think in the new book that actually uses his name. So thank you all so much for joining. I want to pray real quick, and then we're going to do a hopefully really fast, get chairs out of the way, set up some food. If anyone's new, please join us. Um, we just wanted some time to fellowship. This is not a potluck where you have to bring your own thing. This is a, we just um, want to bless one another and, and bless you. So uh, Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your correction. Father, um, we all have things that we've held on to, we've grown up with, we've believed, we've, maybe we just assumed from our own experiences, but we come to your word and it is the source of truth. And it is where we can align on. And Father, even when we don't understand, we need to wrestle it out. Um, help us to be people of your word, that that is the definition of our lives and our belief. Uh, Fathers, pray for everyone here today. Um, those who completely agree that you help them to grow, those who um, kind of think so, Father, they almost might be the, the most that really need to push from you, that they would search us out, that they would um, look at what surrendering to you looks like, what submission looks like. Father, those who disagree altogether, uh, I pray just just like uh, that, that they might be the most blessed in a way where I was in disagreeing. Father, bring them into your word and uh, be speaking to them. Um, and, uh, you know, Tad's book's the resource and, and they can come to, to me and, and many others here in the church. Um, Father, that they would um, work through this with you. And um, just thank you for your blessing on, on each one of us. I thank you for everyone here. Um, and just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.